Thank you for listening to Overcomers Church International Weekly Message. We pray that you are encouraged and strengthened as you hear the Word of God. What happens is that, and this is the Western church culture, uh, and I grew up in Western church culture, so I'm not being hard on anybody, but it's like we come in, we get fed, and then we go out, and then we don't do anything with it. That Jesus didn't call us to do that. As a matter of fact, Jesus, his, the very first, uh, really the, the very first thing that he, he preached, or at least his main theme and that stuck through all of his ministry <clears throat> was about picking up your cross and dying daily, daily dying to yourself, daily dying to your wants and your desires. And, and if you want to find your life, you first have to lose your life. And I, I love, I'll be the first to tell you, I love uh, uh, teaching and ministry on God wanting us to prosper in every sense of the word. I believe that in every sense of the word. I can preach that till we're all blue in the face. But if that is our purpose for being here on the earth, then we might as well just die and go home and we'll have all, the, all of the glorious things in heaven. Amen. That is not our reason for getting saved is so we'll just have a, an, an awesome, cushy life. Our reason for getting saved and getting filled with the Holy Ghost is to take the kingdom of God into all the world and minister and preach to every single creature on the face of the earth. That's why we are here. And we shouldn't lose sight of it. Now, it's important we have the, we have the right message, too, because some people got the wrong message. And praise God, we've got a revelation in this church about God's goodness and his love, his compassion, what Jesus has done. But we, ha- we have to be willing every day of our lives to, to wake up and say, God, this day belongs to you. And whatever you want to do with it, it's all yours, God. And I find that Jesus went back to that very simple truth so many times in his ministry that he went back. And as a matter of fact, when he, he had a multitude there, he said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you'll have no part of me. And they all, they all turned around and left. I thought he was talking about cannibalism, but he was really just talking about really partaking all of him and not just incorporating the Lord in certain parts of our life, but making Jesus the most central focus of every single area of our life. And the, uh, the multitude turned and walked away. And then he turned to his disciples and he said, are you going to walk away too? Are you going to leave me too? And they said, well, we don't have anywhere else to go. It wasn't like, oh, you're so amazing. And no, we're sticking with you, Jesus. They said, we don't have anywhere else to go. And I was thinking, you know, that's actually a pretty good place to be in where you drop your nets, you leave your life, you leave everything behind and say, God, I, I, and get to a point to where it's the point of no return. You know what the point of no return is? It's kind of like if, you, if you're gonna swim across, say, the English Channel, there's a certain point where you can turn back and it's quicker. But if you get to the halfway point, there is no returning. All you can do is just go forward and get to the other side because it's actually easier that way. We should be at a point in our life to where we are so submitted, so given over to the Lord that we're past the point of no return. We're past the point of wavering in our faith of, well, forget all that stuff. Get to a point to where you say, Jesus, my life is yours. My life belongs to you. Everything about me belongs to you. Every breath that I have in me comes from you. So I'm, I'm under responsibility to give it all back to you. Amen. You know, this is not a hard, un gracious message. This is just a simple message of dying to self. God will love you whether you die to yourself or not. He loves the whole world. The Bible tells us for God so loved the world. And even that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
but we're called to a higher level. We're, we're called to live at a higher level than just a, a menial lifestyle here on this earth. I mean, I feel like I could do an altar call right now and probably get some of you to come down here because you, you needed to hear this. I got a whole message, but as soon as I got up here, the Lord said, no, I want to I talk about something else for a second. I'll get to my message. We got three hours left, so it's no problem. <laughs> we worship long and we preach long, amen? But man, some of us, we just need to hear this. We need to be stirred up by this. You are not your own. You've been bought with the price. You don't belong to you. Amen. Jesus paid the price for you. You lost all rights and ownership to your life when you said yes to the Lord. I got news for you. You're past the point of no return. You want to try to go back now, it's going to be a struggle. <laughs> I know some people that are trying to go backwards after they said yes to the Lord. They're the most miserable people on the face of the earth. You know, I, I've been through seasons in, in ministry to where um, Liz has had to encourage me, and just being honest and transparent, and I can remember some times where I was like, you know what, I just go back to hanging draperies. I made, a, I made more money, and it was easier. <laughs> Believe it or not, it was, it was easier to keep people happy hanging draperies than it was pastor to church. And she said, you know what, you can do that, but I don't want to live with you. Amen. Because she said you'd be the most miserable person to live with. Knowing God's called you to something greater, but yet you're wallowing back on the other stuff and self-pity and, and giving up, that kind of stuff. I'm telling you, somebody in here needs to hear what I'm saying right now. Anointing of God is on me to deliver what I'm telling you. You need to stop looking back. Stop thinking about going back. The Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Let not that man think that he'll receive anything from the Lord. Some people are looking going, God, it's just not working out for me. It's because you got one foot in and you got one foot out. Stop doing that. God's trying to bless you. He's trying to increase you. He's trying to help you. It says he's like a wave of the sea tossed to and fro, a double-minded man. Have you ever tried to catch a wave? I dare you. Sometimes stand on the, on the shore and look at a wave and run out there and try to catch it. By the time you get to it, it's gone. It's flopped over or it's moved to the side or whatever. You can't catch a wave. That's how the Lord is. It's like, whew, I could just see it in heaven. He's like, yeah, yeah, here they are. They're, they're finally, they're, oh, well, okay. <laughs> up, down, up, down, up, down. Stop that. Stop doing that. I'm sorry. Let me say that nicer. Up, down, up, down, up, down. That's not healthy for you. <laughs> is that better? <laughs> Sometimes we just need a good spanking when we come to church. Amen? In love. You know, it says that the Lord corrects those he loves. Actually, it says that if you're not corrected, and I won't even tell you what the King James says, but the other translations that are a little bit nicer says that you're an illegitimate child if you don't receive correction from the Lord. That's something else, isn't it? Sometimes you need your four foot, ten and a half wife to say, if you do that, I'm not going to live with you because you'd be a miserable nut job. Amen. The Lord knew what I needed. And the Lord knew what some of you needed to, today. You needed to hear this. I'm not going to have an altar call, but I encourage you to go to the altar of your heart and listen to this. Listen to what the Lord is saying. Listen to what the Spirit of God is saying. God wants to take you places. He wants to do things in you and through you and for you. And he wants to bless you. 
Our goal isn't to have nice cars and fancy homes, but by golly, God wants to do it. He wants to bless you. He's a, he's a dad. He's a good dad. <laughs> Amen. And if we would just stay stable long enough for God to get blessing to us, we'd be surprised at just how much God will do for us. He's an awesome God. Amen. Hallelujah. All right, I'm going to get done preaching, and I'm going to, I'm going to go to teaching. Did you bring your, your preaching clothes? Did you bring your teaching clothes? All right, here we go. So what I want to share on today, somebody say amen. That was really good. I needed to hear that myself. Praise God. So next week, we have a guest speaker coming. Um, his name is Joseph Z, and he is, he is a prophet. And we have uh, Pastor Bobby, even though he goes by pastor, is also a prophet. So, and then we've got prophets in our church, and we have a prophetic culture here, and we're, we're used to that. So with all of that, and then with what we have coming next week, I actually would be, surpri- be surprised if every person didn't get a word between the two services, honestly. Um, he is like a machine, and God will uh, reveal things to him. And you don't have to worry about anything because it's all through grace. It's all through love. It's proper. It's done right. I've sat in a couple of his meetings. I've talked to him personally. And normally I don't bring people in that I don't have a personal connection with, but the Lord told me to do this. I know it's right. I've listened to him enough. I know the people that he's associated with. And so it's going to be really, really awesome. But I really feel like it's important that we know how to properly handle personal prophecy that's given to us because we have that happening here. But then we also are going to have that happen more in the future. And when you're out places, you're going you're to have people give you words. And we need to know how to handle properly when we receive words. You know, the Lord, and I don't want to get ahead of myself, but the Lord gives words. And those words don't automatically come to pass. There's things that we have to do to steward what God has given us. So it's one thing to have a powerful word. It's one thing to have a powerful service, you know, to hear a message whatever it is from the pulpit or, or a personal word, but it's another thing. Take that and steward that word in our hearts. And it's extremely important because if you don't take that word and you don't plant it in the soil of your heart and water it and do whatever you need to do to cause that thing to grow, it won't happen. Jesus has taught this in many different ways. The parable of the sower reveals this very plainly. If you have a hardened heart and a word goes to it, then the enemy will just come and steal that word right away. And so there's different things that are important to understand. I want to talk about those. There's different things that are important to understand about how to steward, how to properly handle a word um, that is given to you in specific a personal prophecy is what I want to talk about um, today. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Acts chapter 17, and we're going to start here. And what I'm going to give you are five different, we can call them keys, to knowing how to handle a personal word or a personal prophecy that someone would give to you. And I've been in different places in my own life to where I've been scared of prophecy, to where it was like, I don't want any of that because it could be wrong, and then almost to the other extreme to where there's just prophecy just flowing all over the place. And, and we've probably been at both, uh, both ends of the spectrum in this church, and so I believe we're coming to a really healthy balance to where we are definitely open to the prophetic. There's all kinds of things in the Word about the prophetic in the New Testament. It's right. It's accurate. And so we want to be, be open to it completely, but we also want to take it in bounds and not just let everything run away and just anything 
be a word from God when it's not really a word from God, all of those things. So stewarding it is extremely important. So I want to give you five things, all right? And so number one, the, the first thing, if you've got uh, pen and paper, you should have pen and paper, something to write this down. You're going to want to take notes here. The very first thing is in terms of handling, properly handling, properly stewarding, if you want to say, um, a personal prophecy is that you have to... Not, Some of you might go, well, duh, but this is important. You have to hear the word first. And the reason that it's so important to say that is because God could have things for you, but if you're not careful, you could be at a place in your life to where you totally shut off what the Lord has for you. I've been there before to where God had incredible things from people, maybe even people that are in different streams than me, maybe people that are in the very same body as me, but I've not been open to receive whatever word it is that they would have from the Lord. So the very first thing we have to do is we have to hear. There's a, there's a way you can posture yourself to hear from the Lord. And honestly, and this is something I need to spend more time on because I believe, and for me, I'll say 51 out of 52 Sundays a year, or I might be off one Sunday a year, but basically every time we walk through those doors, I'm already at a place to where I have postured my heart before the Lord to love him, to worship him, and to respond to him with anything that he wants to say or do during our service. I do that for other times too, but I specifically do that here. Imagine if I didn't do that, if I didn't posture myself for the hours or the week before and just came in here and just, you know, did whatever. It wouldn't be very good. Imagine if every single person refused to be distracted before they came into a service where we have corporate worship together or in our grace groups or when you're meeting somebody for lunch that they've got something for you and you've got something for them. Imagine if we weren't so distracted with the things of life and we could just, we could just focus on the Lord or we could come in here and if everybody had their heart postured to the Lord, to the the Lord, I'm telling you, we would go to a whole nother level in terms of the anointing and the glory flowing in here. And we, we will do that. And we are doing that. I'm telling you, look at where we were a year ago, even from a year ago. It's awesome what God is doing in this place. Amen. Let me show you this from the word a little bit more. Acts chapter 17 and verse 10. I've read this before. Actually, I think a couple of weeks ago, I read this, but I thought it bared re- repeating. Verse 10 of Acts 17, it says, then the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. Now, what happened here is that Paul was in Thessalonica, and they basically were trying to kill Paul because they didn't like what he, he had to say. Um, and so it says, they, they sent him away by night to Berea. When they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. Now, this was Paul's custom. He would immediately go into the synagogue, and he would basically start preaching the gospel there, which if you're talking about a tough place to start, that's a tough place for him to start. He would go in and begin to reason with them and explain to them um, the way of the Lord more excellently. And so in verse 11, it says, these, these the ones in Berea, were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica in that they receive the word with all readiness and search the scriptures daily to find out whether these things are so. This is a perfect example of how you posture yourself to receive from the Lord. You should never come in re- to church. You should never go to someone that, that you know has something powerful that they can offer you. You should never listen to a podcast or a worship song without being at a place to where God can openly speak to you through that person. But there's a balance here. Because we've seen the the church, probably everybody in here included on some level, we've gotten into trouble with things because we've been at a point in our life where we just take everything hook, line, and sinker. And we should not do that. We should listen to what's being said. 
when we're quickened with something, we receive it, we take it in, we own it or whatever, but we go and we discover whether the things that are being taught and revealed are actually true from the word of God. That is every person's personal responsibility to find out if the word is true that's being spoken, that's being revealed, whether it's a personal word or from the pulpit, it's every single person's responsibility to find out if it's true. What's sad is that there, there actually have been, which I won't get into the details of it, but there have been entire denominations in times past, and there's probably still fringes of it, where they've actually told the people, it's not your job to interpret the Bible, it's our job to interpret the Bible, and you just do what we tell you to do. That sounds a good way to control the masses if you want, get all their money, get them to do all the stuff, whatever it is that you want to do. Amen? It is your job because you are a king and a priest over your own home and over your own life. You have a responsibility before the Lord to hear from him. Amen? But the first point I want to make is, again, that you have to hear the word. You have to posture yourself. I've had times when I have been drawn, even with like maybe a YouTube video or a podcast or something, to listen. Like I was just drawn to listen to somebody that I wouldn't normally listen to. Even at times, listen to people that in times past, I'd be like, I don't like them or I don't like their ministry. Not that I would say that, but I would think that. But I would feel so drawn and God would speak powerful things to me in that. And so think about how many things that we don't get because we haven't postured ourselves to just hear the word. So the very first thing in stewarding a word, handling a word properly, is you have to hear it. So if somebody is going to come and they're going to, and you say, well, man, I think if someone gave me a prophecy, I'd really hear it. Listen, I've been watching Pastor Bobby come here for years. And I, bless your people in hearts, sometimes I'll watch him give a, a word. I'm not thinking of anyone in specific, but just in general, I've seen this happen. And he's a powerful man of God. He, he is a prophet, and I've proven that, and he has proven, his ministry's proven that over the years, and he has prophesied some powerful, powerful things. And I'll see people receive the word, and it's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, I, they're not doing that on the outside, but it's just like I can, I, sometimes the word will just open up, and I can see what's going on on the inside. And they're not receiving it. Listen, if someone's going to give you a word, just receive it, and if it's wrong, the Lord will show you it's wrong. And I'm going to show you how to test words and stuff here this morning. I'm going to talk about that here in just a second. But you have to be at a place to where you can receive it. You know, sometimes there are things, there are people, and we all do this. I'm just the one talking, and I'm being the most transparent. But I've seen, I've seen podcasts and pictures of people and maybe some YouTube videos or, or seen different ministers or different people and automatically had a judgment, even just based off of the way that they look. I know you all wouldn't do that to me because, I mean, you know... It's a joke, just a little, a little lighten up there. Everybody laugh, nod your head, say, praise God. Kent is really good looking. Amen. I'm just kidding. Okay. So anyways, but we've done that. And sometimes it'll even just be, be somebody, we'll see him, and it reminds us of, you know, Uncle Joe when we were little that was mean or something. You know what I'm saying? Like, we've got different things, and we got to get over that kind of stuff. Posture yourself, and we need to be able to just hear the word. Okay, so number one is to hear the word. Number two now, this is going to throw some of y'all, but I'm going to explain it, is that we need to judge the person. We need to judge the person. And you say, well, I thought we weren't supposed to be judgmental. There's a difference between being judgmental and judging something. More politically correct way would say to observe somebody and watch what they're doing. So if somebody's going to give you a personal word, you should observe that. Let's pull up the scripture verse up on the screen, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. In verse 15, I think I heard the word examine also, examine somebody, and I'm going to get into that more in a second. So 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 15, and I think we're going to pull this up in the, in the um, Amplified here. I want to look at this. 
Do we have the amplified version? If not, I'll just read it and y'all can hear it. So listen to what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 15. And this is the amplified version, so if you don't have that, you can just listen. It says, but the spiritual man, the spiritually mature Christian, judges all things, questions, examines, and applies what the Holy Spirit reveals. So it is right for Christians to observe, if somebody's going to give them a word, it is right for you to observe that person and to observe what's going on in that person's life. And I'm going to give you a couple things here to look at, but that's not a bad thing to do. I would encourage you. I speak to you weekly. I would encourage you to judge my life. Now, don't be judgmental. If I misspeak, don't. You know what, you know what the difference is? Here's the difference. If I misspeak about something, and a judging or observing would be like, oh, okay, well, he misspoke about that. Being judgmental would go, well, he misspoke about that because he don't know any scripture verses. You see the difference? We're not supposed to become judgmental towards people to where we get accusatory towards them, but we are supposed to observe what's going on in their life. That's not a bad thing. So we're supposed to, and here's the thing, and I'm going to give you some different things to look at here in terms of judging the person. We need to examine their fruit. Listen to this not their anointing. It's very important. Some of the most anointed people in history in terms of things that they had happening in their ministry, miracles and stuff, had the worst character in their life. And when you have somebody speaking into your life, this is heavy, too heavy for Sunday morning, but I believe you can hear it. I believe you can handle it. When somebody is speaking into your life, there's more oftentimes that's being imparted into you than just the words that they are saying. And what you don't want is somebody's nastiness that's been going on in their life being imparted into you. Now, I can't give you all the how that all happens in the spirit, but I do know that the, this, that it says, I think it's in uh, Psalm, I want to say 128 maybe, It says that the priests were clothed with righteousness and the saints or the people shouted for joy. So the point is, is as it goes with the priest, as it goes with the the pastor, the preacher, the person who's leading something, as it goes with them, so it will go with the people. So if you have someone that is operating in a powerful anointing, but they have a total messed up life, I would be really careful about receiving from that person, especially on a regular basis. Now, if you've sat underneath of someone and then they fell or did whatever, you don't need to go be scared about what's happening spiritually to you, but you just are cautious. You, you walk circumspectly in those things. Amen. Amen. So you examine their fruit and not so much their anointing. And here's a few areas that you, you can do that in. Number one, do they have a record of being accurate? I know people that they give words, not here, but I know people that give words and they never come to pass. They're, they're not accurate. Now, listen, anybody can miss it. Anybody can miss it. I've missed it before. Both of our prophets that we have here in this church, they have missed it before. But if someone doesn't even have a track record of being accurate, that's not somebody that you want giving you a personal word in your life. Agreed? All right, here's the next thing, is just to to look and to ask what their character is like. This is all in terms of judging or examining the person, not being judgmental, but examining the person. What is their character like? Are they faithful? Do they live a holy lifestyle? Do they love people well? You know what I found out about a lot of prophets? In fact, my, my pastor friend who is a prophet, Bobby Ray, <laughs> pastor is a cultural term often more than it is what office they're in. He said, you know what he told me? 
He didn't even want to have any kind of, even notice, even recognize about himself that he was called as a prophet. And the reason why is he said, prophets, by and large, are the biggest jerks that I've ever met. That's what he told me. And I said, and I got, after I got to thinking about it, I thought, man, yeah, that's true. Because a lot of times you'll have people that, that they will see so much in the spirit. And prophets, they just see stuff. God just reveals things to them. And if they're not careful, they will begin to not walk in love with people because of what they see happening in their life. And you know what? If you, you find somebody like that, that goes against the very nature and the heart of Jesus. Jesus was the greatest prophet that ever lived. And what did he do? He loved the worst of the worst people. So when you find somebody that's not walking in love, that's not somebody that you really want to receive from. Now, that needs to be coupled with understanding that walking in love sometimes from someone who's got a relationship with you sometimes can be them saying, look, that's a problem in your life. Let's work through it. That's not not walking in love. That is walking in love. If you see a, you know, a bus that's getting ready to run somebody over, it's, it's love to yell at them to get out of the way. Amen. Praise God. So you need to understand what walking in love is. But if you got somebody that is giving words and doing things, and th that doesn't go on here because if it did, I'd, I'd come down on them like a chicken on a June bug. Amen. <laughs> And so, anyways, that stuff doesn't go on here. But if you're ever at a place and you see somebody that is, that is being mean and harsh and, and they're being abusive with that, then don't receive from people like that. So some other things concerning their character. Um, do they value the written word? That's extremely important. I've met people that they hear from the Lord so clearly, they, it's almost like that they think that they are above the written word. Listen to me, nothing and nobody is ever above the written word of God. It is absolute final authority in every single thing, in every single area of every part of our life, period. Amen. Amen. So if anybody is, not, is ever not operating according to that, then they're out of line. That's not somebody you'd want to receive from. And I know this is a little bit negative here, but I'll move on to some positive stuff here in a minute. Amen. Um, and then the last thing I'll mention here about someone's character, just something to watch is, are they submitted to authority? Everybody's supposed to be submitted to authority. There's been a few um, outhouse prophets, I call them, that have tried to come in here. And there's been some that God has brought in from the outside um, for a season that they that they gave a word, and I'm thinking of uh, a lady named Carol McDonald. She was here a couple years ago, and she just kind of came in. She gave a word, and it was so powerful. It was so awesome, and I love that. And she's also, she's very submitted to her church and her pastor, and she's involved with the local body. But when you find somebody who's kind of a, a renegade, and they bounce from place to place, and they're not underneath of any kind of authority, I wouldn't receive from somebody like that. Because if people are not submitted to godly authority that's established in the earth, odds are they're really not submitted to the Lord themselves. And it's hard to, it is so hard to talk about submission. I was talking to my pastor friend, Jay, from Indiana. He said, that's a really hard thing to talk about because it seems like when you talk about it and you're the one in authority, then the people are thinking, oh, you're just saying that and you're being controlling. It's like, well, somebody has to talk about the issue of proper authority and people being submitted to authority. I am a man under authority. I have people that I have submitted myself to. It is right for every single person to do that. And if you have somebody that's wanting to give words and they're not submitted to authority, you don't want to receive from somebody like that because they've, they've got a skewed look on the kingdom of God and how the kingdom of God uh, works. And you don't want to receive from someone like that. When somebody is, has a, a filter that's messed off, the Bible says that people will prophesy 
people that are gifted with the gift of prophecy, that they'll prophesy according to their faith. Well, if their faith is messed off, their thinking is off, their belief system is off, they're going to prophesy things. They could be accurate, but it'll be a little bit messed up, and they're going to give you things that really are not accurate because it's coming through their wrong filter. Amen. So you need to look at people like that. And I've seen, I know several prophets. See my, and anyone listening on the podcast, I have my fingers up. <laughs> prophets. I know several that call themselves that. And really what they are is an outhouse prophet. You know the difference between an outhouse prophet and an in-house prophet? An in-house prophet cares about the body. An outhouse prophet just leaves a stink. They just come in. They leave a stink and they leave. They think that they are God's gift to the church. You know what God's gift to the church is? People that are faithful, humble, submitted, they serve, they love, they give, they're a part, they're connected, they're covenant people. That's what God's called us to be. I don't care if you're an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher all rolled into one. You are called to be a part of the body. Not supposed to work outside. You're supposed to be on the inside. Amen. All right, let's move on here. The next thing here, well, let me give, let me give one more thing because I think this is important in terms of like judging or observing the person is know the difference between a false word and a false prophet. This is very important. I hear people very often throw this term around false prophet, false teacher, false apostle, false whatever. You don't ever hear false pastor, but anyways, you always hear people calling things false and oftentimes they're related to somebody who simply gave a false word. The difference between a false prophet and somebody who gives a false word who's a true prophet is a true prophet that might, or just a a prophetic person that would give a word that misses it, they just miss it. Listen now, a false prophet is one who does something with wrong motive. Their motive is to get money from you, it's to get favor from you, it's to gain some kind of access or control into your life. Whatever their motivation is, that's what would make them false. Does that make sense? So just because somebody misses it doesn't mean that they're false. I was in a service one time um, years ago, and this man named Dave Dewell, um, he was kind of a prophet, evangelist mix, awesome man of God. And I was in Bible school, and he came and ministered in the Bible school. And this guy was wild, man. He was, he was, the, he was the wildest minister I ever saw in my life. He was flinging people and stuff all over the place. It was just, it was wild. And anyways, he actually, he gave me one of the, the very first word I had. I was leading worship at a church over in Farmington area 12 years ago. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't minister and preaching or anything. And he comes up to me, and he said, the next time you stand up to minister, and I thought he meant worship leading. I was like playing guitar. He said, no, no. When you're preaching, when you're talking, he said, the next time you stand up, he said, you're going to, you're going to know you got a call from God. You're, you're going to sense the anointing on you. I said, well, praise God. I didn't know that I hadn't sensed the anointing up to that point, but I hadn't. <laughs> Apparently it was really bad till then. I don't know. But anyways, it wasn't that time. It wasn't the next time, but two times later. So he was close. Two times later, I was up and I was ministering and I sensed the anointing of God just fall on me. I was like, oh, I like this. It changed everything about, about ministry completely. And he gave, me, he gave me that word. Well, that same guy that gave that word, when I was in Bible school, he was there ministering in Bible school. And there were two people sitting on the back. Now, this is, this is the reason probably why you don't give directional words. But there was a man and a woman that was sitting back there. And he said, I believe God's calling you guys together, da, 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 all this stuff. And I do not encourage. If anybody gives a word like that in this church, you're, my hammer is going to, I'm going to come down. So anyways, you got to be really careful with stuff like that. Um, come to find out the people were both married to other people. They didn't belong together at all. 
And so then it was like, he's a false prophet. It's like, no, he just missed it. His motive wasn't to hurt anybody. He just missed it. Does that make sense? Amen. Okay. So let's move on to the next thing. Here's the, here's the third key in how to properly handle or discern or to, you know, whatever, a personal word or personal prophecy. Number three is to judge the word itself. And so here are some things you can look at. Number one, does the, does the word they give or gave violate the written word? Now, I used to say, does it line up with the written word? Here's the problem with saying it like that is that I've received plenty of words for one example for one is that I've had prophesied over me by a couple different people that I'm going to write uh, write books. Well, you can't find anything in the Bible that says in year 2020, Kent Ward, pastor of Overcomers Church International in Perryville, Missouri, is going to write a book, right? So what you do is you have to look at something and see if it violates the word. If it doesn't go against the word, then it's possible that it's, it's a word from the word. But if you ever hear something that totally violates the, the word of God, you can go ahead and write it off because it absolutely is not from the Lord. I was sitting in a meeting one time. I think I've shared this before, but I was sitting in a meeting one time, and it wasn't a, wasn't a, a personal prophecy, but this guy got a, quote, word from the Lord, and he really needed a revelation of, of grace and just, he just needed to read the Bible, honestly. He said, and he was so sincere, and he was under really horrible leadership. And I was just, it was a smaller meeting in these people's house, and he goes, the Lord told me that if I mess up one more time, and this guy was as sincere as you could be, he said, the Lord told me that he's going to leave me. And I was thinking, well, I could think of a couple Bible verses that that doesn't line up with, like, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you might be a good place to start. So anyways, if something, if it violates the word, you can go ahead and, you know, write it off that, it's, that is not a word from the Lord. Uh, another, another thing to do in terms of judging a word um, is you can ask, is it confirming something you have already heard from the Holy Spirit or is it something new? I've heard people say before, if it doesn't confirm what's already in you, then it's not God. Most of the time that's accurate. From my experience, whenever I hear a word, I would say, I don't know, 80 to 90% of the time, it's confirming something that the Lord has already showed me. However, I have had times where people have spoken things to me that I thought, oh, I've never thought that before. And when you receive a word like that, what you do is what I just say, you just set it on the shelf. And if it is from the Lord, listen to me, the Lord will always confirm his word, always so if you receive any kind of word from somebody, it either needs to be confirming what the Lord is already speaking to you or revealing to you, or you need to set it on a shelf and say, Lord, if that's from you, I'm asking you to confirm it. And if it is, if it is from the Lord, 100% of the time, he will always confirm that word to be true. Does that make sense? Yes. Amen. A couple more things here concerning how to judge the word. Is it just very simply, is it profitable to you? Sometimes people will say, oh, man, I just hear the Lord is saying that you're just going to be, you're just, you're so loved by the Lord. And it's like, well, that's profitable to me, but it's not something I'm going to go home and, you know, hang my hat on and think about all day because I've, I, I know that already. So sometimes when people are giving words, they're doing it just wanting to bless you, but it's not necessarily a thus saith the Lord from the, a word from the Lord. They just think that it is. Amen. That's why we have a lot of grace with people and, and all of us as we're stepping out and hearing the Lord to bless one another. There's a lot of grace to go around. But you could just very simply ask, is this profitable to me? If it's not going to, to profit you, benefit you, grow you, there's a good chance that it really may not be a word from the Lord. So that's one way you can look at how you can judge a word. Um, and then the last thing I'll mention here about judging a word, you can just, you can ask, does it build you up? 
1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 3, says that any, any word, any prophecy is for edification, exhortation, and comfort. So if anybody is ever giving a prophecy, quote prophecy, that doesn't fall in line with bringing edification, exhortation, and comfort, then it's not a prophecy. Now, it could be true, and I just had this conversation recently with, with some of our leaders, that we need to know the difference between, say, a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge and prophecy. Because, see, a word of knowledge, for example, will reveal something that's true in the Spirit, but that doesn't make it a prophecy. Sometimes God will just show me things just so I know how to pray for people, or so then I'll know how to prophesy to them. Because I can see things maybe that are on their life, or maybe they just tell me it's just, it's just knowledge. But you take that, and then you prophesy according. But anybody that would ever go, and I've, I've been places where I've seen this kind of stuff, and it's like, you know, you've got this sin in your life, and you know, you got this going on, and all of this kind of stuff. That's not prophecy, because prophecy is for edification, exhortation, and comfort. If there's ever any kind of corrective thing, you have to, first of all, separate it out from being prophecy versus it being a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge or discerning of spirits. You have to, you have to separate that out between is God revealing something or is he speaking encouragement for my future? And if God is ever revealing something, it should never be done publicly to embarrass people. If ever, because I've had dreams, God's given me prophetic dreams about people that I've had to go and confront them. I've had words that he's asked me to go and say, look, I want you to deal with them, but I do it in my office. I do it around my kitchen table with just Liz and I or whatever in closed quarters to where it doesn't bring any embarrassment or shame because God's not interested in doing that. So sometimes you can have words that will reveal things and will quicken somebody's heart to cause them to go, oh my God, God sees that. And then you can go, he does see it, but he loves you. And here's the plan that he has for you. Then you can start to prophesy accordingly. But prophecy is always for edification, exhortation, and comfort. Amen. And those are some things you can use on how to judge a word. You all getting some things out of this? Okay, I'm going to hit a couple more things here real quick before we close that are really powerful. So here is key number four. If you perceive the word as accurate, come into agreement with it. This is very important. I, I don't think I could stress this enough. If something is accurate, come into agreement with it. And you know how you come into agreement with it? You just simply say amen. Amen. So be it unto me. Yes, God, that belongs to me. And I'm saying that you actually need to speak it out of your mouth. I do this all the time with people. They'll ask me something, I'll give them some wisdom, or I'll have a word from the Lord, and it's like, we know it's right, whatever it is, and they'll be like, and I'm like, no, say amen. No, say amen out of your mouth, because when you're saying amen, you're saying what was just said, what was just spoken, my mouth is coming into agreement with it, and that belongs to me. If only by faith at the moment, it belongs to me. Let me tell you something interesting. When you go back and you look in, and we're not going to go there for time's sake, but you go back and look in Genesis chapter 15, I think it's around verse 6, and it says that Abraham believed God and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. <laughs> this is so awesome. The word for believed there is the Hebrew word for amen. And I don't know how you say it, like aman or whatever, however you say it in Hebrew, I don't know. Nobody knows, so don't correct me. <laughs> I like any in here are Hebrew, so. But anyways, it says that Abraham believed God, and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. Abraham amended God, and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. 
when God speaks blessing, he speaks favor, he speaks a prophetic word about your future, he speaks hope to your heart, whether you're sitting in a worship service and it's just you or him or someone gives you a word or you're reading it in the word and it comes alive to you, you need to say amen. You know how I know that? It's because Abraham is our example in faith of how to see things come to pass. Because a prophetic word is something encouraging that's looking into the future. Abraham, when God spoke to Abraham, he said, Abraham, and Abraham was a, I just learned this, he was from the Iraq region, so he was an Iraqi, I don't know what it was called back then, but he was, he was an I, Iraqi pagan idol worshiper. But somehow or another, he knew the power of saying Amen. And when God came to him and he said, Abraham, I'm calling you out from among your family and I'm going to take you to a a place and your descendants are going to be blessed and I'm going to make a great nation out of you and all of these things. It says that Abraham believed, which meant that Abraham said, amen. Let me show you this verse from the Passion Translation, 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 19 and 20. I believe we can pull that up here. 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Verse 19, look at this. If you don't have the passion, actually, just everybody look up here at this. This is so awesome. Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and he is the one whom Timothy, Silas, and I have preached to you, and he has never been both yes and no. You could just stop there and think about that for, like, all the rest of your life. (laughs) Anything that you can find in the word of God, which I can promise you, anything you need in your life, there's a promise in the word of God for your need. Guaranteed. Try me in this, says Pastor Kent. Bring me something and I will find a promise from the word of God for your issue. If I don't know it offhand, I'll find it because I'm telling you, the word of God has every single answer. And do you know that his word is binding? When God says something, it is a done deal. However, it doesn't manifest until we come into agreement with it. And we can find that in all kinds of places in the word. We have to come into agreement with it. That's the balance of grace and faith. There's this great teaching. God's grace is extended, but our faith response causes it to manifest in our life. This is what this is talking about. But notice that his, he, he's never yes and no. You don't have to be confused on what God says. This is why when some people, they say, well, I just hope that the Lord wants you to be blessed or, or, you know, I just hope that the Lord will want that. No, don't hope. Look at what the word says. Then you'll have all the hope you need and the exact word that you need. Then you can put faith in it and then you can see it come to pass. Amen. So God is never confused. He's not schizophrenic. Amen. It's either yes or it's no. And you can take it to the bank, baby. Look at what the next thing it says. It says he has, no, go back. He has, you're on cue though. You're doing great. It says, he has always been and always will be for us a resounding yes, a resounding yes. I love it. Verse 20, for all of God's promises find their yes of fulfillment in him, and as his yes and our amen ascend to God, we bring him glory. (laughs) So it's not enough for God to just say yes, you must say amen to it. This is why I, I, even, I even had someone openly, not openly, but to my face, which is better than behind my back, but they probably did behind my back too. But anyways, they were like, you know, you say amen a lot when you're preaching. That's because I say a lot of good stuff that I agree with. <laughs> amen. 
And sometimes preachers just say amen because they don't know what they're going to say next. And it's like, hey, and then in the, in the middle of their mind, they're thinking, God, what am I going to say next? But just amen. If the word's good, it's right. Amen. So be it unto me. That belongs to me. That's going to work in my life. God says it, and I believe it. Amen. So it's very important that you come into agreement with what God says. If you don't come into agreement, it's not going to happen. And this goes on to the number five and the last thing, and I'm going to finish here. Any personal word is subject to you fulfilling it. Any personal word is subject to you fulfilling it. Very important. Many times, and I've heard this, and I don't argue with people anymore, but I've heard people say, oh, if God, if God says it, then it's a prophecy and it'll come to pass. Listen, God's prophesied all kinds of things that hadn't come to pass. He said plenty of things that would happen. But man gets in the way. I can give you an example in the word. He told, he told Abraham that his descendants were going to be in bondage for 400 years. You know how many years they were in bondage? 430. Was God using an approximate number? No, he, he meant what he said. Why were they in bondage for 430 years? Because in the 390th year, Moses found out that he was the man that God was going to use to deliver them. But he didn't wait on God. And he went out and he got mad he killed an Egyptian and fled for 40 years into the wilderness, thus bringing it to 430 years. 40 years from that point, which brought it 30 years past what God said. Now, God, he's so awesome that even if we miss it, he can just bring things all back around. Here we are as a result of God bringing things back around. Amen. Because ultimately Jesus came and here we all are. So it worked out. But things happening absolutely have to happen with our cooperation. Now, there are a few things, and you can find this in Acts chapter 1. I want to say it's around verse 8. I forget, somewhere around there. It says, they were asking Jesus. This is right before he ascended into heaven. They said, Jesus, will you at this time restore the, the kingdom back to Israel? And Jesus gave this statement. He said, it is not for you to know the times and seasons that the Lord has placed within his authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be my witnesses. So in other words, he was saying, there's certain things that are in, in the Father's hands and the Father's authority, but then there are certain things that are within your realm, within your authority. And when somebody gives you a personal word, you know, I got a, like I said, I got a word to write a book. Guess what? If I don't write the book, the word's not going to come to pass. No, what the word did for me, and I heard Bill Johnson say it like this, and I love it, a, a prophecy is the Lord going into the future, seeing what you need to get from where you're at to there and coming back and telling you the thing that you need. And I know that when I got a prophecy, two of them actually, to write books from two totally separate people, didn't know each other and didn't know anything, just told me that, I knew, it confirmed in my heart that there was grace in terms of finances, ability, and everything that God, I would ever need to write a book, because I am not a writer. I'm, I'm not good at writing. But the Holy Ghost is really good through me. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to figure it out. As a matter of fact, I've almost got it figured out. Praise God. Amen. And so that word cause hope in my heart, but I still have to actually sit down and do the writing, right? So I can't just look at it and go, well, God prophesied it. And then five years ago, how come I have, I just don't know what happened. Why isn't there, I got to sit down and write the book. And people do this all the time. They get 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years down the road. They're hanging on to a prophecy, but they never did anything with it. Faith without works is dead. 
Faith without corresponding actions is what that means, is dead. You know what causes faith to come alive on the inside of us? Is when we hear the word of God. Ultimately, I believe that's talking about his written word, but it's also true if there is a particular word that God speaks over your life, it will quicken faith in you. But if you don't do anything with that, then your faith for that word won't have any impact in that area in your life. Man, that's really important. So if something's going to come to pass, you need to come into agreement with it, and then you ultimately need to watch over that word. Now, you don't need to strive. Trust God. Trust his... Certain things are involved in his timing. Other things are in our time. Know the difference. Discern the difference. But then just trust him in it. There's certain things. You know, I'm, I'm telling you, I got so much in me. As a matter of fact, when we were in Brazil, I think the second day we were there, Ron said, you've got a lot of stuff in you that you've never told anybody, and you've got things in you you don't even know how to put into words yet. I said, you're exactly right. I have so much vision on the inside of me. It's just exploding that I have, literally have some things that I do not even know how to put into words but yet I see it. I see the fruit of it. I see lives changed. I see hundreds, tens of hundreds of thousands of people that come into relationship with Jesus, that are discipled, that are set into their place, all of that kind of stuff. I can't do that. I have zero ability to do that. But what I will do is say, Lord, I know what you've shown me. I know words that have been spoken, and I'm going to keep trekking with you, and you're going to cause it to come to pass. Because remember, you know, everybody in here is a type of Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel was the governor in charge of rebuilding the temple. And Zechariah, the priest, came to him and he said, Zerubbabel, he said, your hand has seen the beginning of this thing and your hand will see the end of it. But he said, understand this, it is not by might and it's not by power. In other words, it's not by the arm of the flesh. It's not by what you can do, but it's by my spirit, saith the Lord. And then he goes on to say that the capstone, which is the finishing thing, it'll be put on with shouts of self-effort, self-effort. No, it says with shouts of grace, grace, which is God's ability. It's, it's his ability. It's the spirit's ability and not man's ability. So when it comes to seeing something come to pass, we stay in cooperation with God, but we don't have to do it. He's the one that does it, does it through us. Amen. Praise the Lord. Isn't that awesome? Good stuff. Did you get some things that you can stick in your tool belt? Amen. Would you stand to your feet? Let me bless you. Thank you for listening to the weekly message. To find out more about Overcomers Church International and to hear more messages like this one, please visit our website at ociperryville.com.